Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Those nursery workers and uh, children's church workers that take care of our kids. Can you say amen? Uh, We want to, before we get into the Word of God, we want to hear a quick testimony today. Uh, my mom, Joni, is going to come forward and share with us what Jesus is doing through her life. Let's welcome her as she comes. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it's, it's always encouraging to give a testimony, and we do want to encourage you, uh, if, uh, if God has been doing something exciting in your life and you've got a testimony, please come and let me know before the service. Uh, we, we would love to hear a great testimony. Let's welcome uh, Joni, my mom, as she comes. Good morning, people. Oh, my favorite people. I can't decide who's my favorite. You're all so good looking and look good. Um, anyway, uh, I sometimes get discouraged because all I do in my life is I'm retired, and I live with my mom, who is 95 years old. In July, she's going to be 96. Okay, this is the mind blower about my mom. Her grandfather, not her great-grandfather, but her grandfather was in the Civil War. Now, who do you know whose grandparent was in the Civil War? She's a treasure. So anyway, but anyway, I have two dogs that are really old. One's going to be 15 soon. The other one's going to be 14 in October. And um, so I feel like my whole day is doing nothing but taking care of old things, in myself included. So um, every night, my dogs like to go for a little stroll. We used to go for a walk, but now it's like a walk around the block, and it takes about half an hour. So anyway, there's this one, we have different routes, but last, there's this one street that we can go down that I don't like going down because there's always been this guy at the end of the street that he's like mean and nasty and yells at his wife and and he's a young man and um, you know like his dog got loose and it, it all turned out fine and he went and he beat his dog and I said don't do that it, everything it was a good dog it stopped it did, did you know so anyway he always has been kind of aggressive and I don't really like him but last night he and his wife were sitting out on their front step And um, we were walking by, and I was about ready to go to the other side of the street. And he um, said something to me, hi, and I said hi back, and he was real friendly. And so I thought, well, maybe I better go talk to him. So I went over there, and um, they're remodeling their house. So his wife and I have talked about how horrible it is to remodel your house. Um, I lived without a sink in my kitchen for like three months, doing dishes in the bathtub was so fun. And... um, so anyway, um, uh, I talked to him about his house, how it's coming together, looks good. And, and he just recently started a business of his own. He's a 
He's a mechanic, and he does, uh, he's got a new little shop. And uh, they're going to have a baby, and, um, you know, I was congratulating him and talking about it. And I just wanted to bring some kindness and gentleness to him to maybe, you know. So um, we talked for a while, and we talked about the new baby and this and that. And then as, uh, as I was getting ready to go, I said, now, do you guys go to church anywhere? And he goes, yeah, we've been looking for someplace close. My mom goes to someplace, but it's way out wherever. And uh, we don't want to get up that early because it's early church, too. I said, oh, well, isn't that interesting? I said, my son's a pastor, and our church is uh, less than five minutes away from here. And so I gave all the landmarks. I said, you know where this is and that is? And that Italian place is his favorite place to eat, so he knew right where it was. And... Um, so I said, I wish you'd come, and he was very receptive to it. And so then, as I was getting ready to go, I thought, well, let's, let's just make this a whole outreach, because, you know, my son's mad at me because I don't go to Saturday outreach because I'm busy taking care of old people, myself included. Anyway, um, <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, I, I said, is there anything I can pray for for you? And he says, I don't know of anything specific, but sure. And he opens his arms, and we did a little circle. And I prayed for him. I prayed for their marriage. I prayed. I, I used the one about how wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. But I said, it's a gentle thing that they submit because it's a gentle thing that the husband has over his wife because Christ loved the church so much that he died for her. I said, so therefore, kindness, and in this you know, uh, pregnant state, she needs lots of love, kindness, and support. And and um, then I just said, I just please lead these people to church. Help us to fellowship. I said, I really want to get to know you. I would really love to see you at church. They were so receptive. She was thrilled out of her mind. And, um, and so I'm really surprised they're not here this morning, but they're not. So anyway, um, so a guy that I didn't like turned into a somebody that I witnessed to, and now I kind of like him. So, and I've always liked his wife, but anyway, she has to live in the shadows because he yells a lot. So anyway, hopefully, in Jesus' name, that will stop, and he'll start listening to his, the Holy Spirit and uh, do things accordingly. So we can pray for him. And I forgot his name. So, sorry. Anyway. Definitely. This is how God works. So one person at a time. Can you say amen? amen? I want to ask you to open up your Bible with me uh, to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Let's get into the Word of God. I want to share a message with you this morning that I pray will be helpful to you and useful, not just in the things of God, but in all arenas of your life. Acts, chapter 20. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, uh, you can just lift up your hand. Our ushers can grab one for you if you would like that. Yes, thank you. Uh, we want to, again, Acts chapter 20. An interesting story here in the book of Acts that has a great parallel for our lives. And I want to begin by uh, speaking about um, a, an underground uh, metro system. Anybody here ever been to London? Well, a couple people. Uh, there is there one of the largest subway systems in the whole world. They affectionately know it as the Tube in London. And it handles up to 3 million passengers every day. 
If you ever get the chance to ride the London Underground, you will most definitely do so while standing on a platform. You will hear an announcement that is repeated uh, thousands and thousands of times in every station, and it is three simple words, mind the gap. There is a gap of space in between the platform where you stand and wait for the train and where the train rolls up. In between, there is a, just a few inches of space that is uh, uh, very important for you to pay attention to because if somehow your foot was to get trapped in between that little gap, it could be very, very dangerous. And so every time the train is approaching or the train is moving away, you hear the voice saying, mind the gap, mind the gap. Now, uh, uh, I looked into the numbers of this. It seems like, man, that's just common sense. Uh, you, if you see a gap, you don't put your foot in it. Just step over it, right? But out of 3 million passengers per day, about 0.003 of those passengers have an accident. You say, wow, that's a very small number. Why do they continue to say this same phrase again and again for just such a small percentage of people? Well, what that number represents 90 injuries. And of those 90 people who were injured, nine of them were fatal. They lost their lives because they weren't paying attention. And this is why the London Underground, every time a train approaches, mind the gap, open your eyes, pay attention. Can I remind you this morning that one moment of inattention or carelessness in our lives may uh, not only cost us our testimony, job, family, but indeed our very lives. The scripture that we're going to read today is an illustration of what could happen to us when we fail to pay attention. And I want to preach a message uh, to you this morning that I've titled, Practicing presence. And I want to uh, illustrate that from the story of a young man named Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You can tell uh, that they were excited to have him if he preached until midnight. Uh, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. See, this is why you shouldn't fall asleep in church. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. And when he had come up, he had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even until daybreak he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. I want to preach a message entitled, Practicing Presence. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, and I pray your presence and your power would be evident in this service today. I'm praying, God, that your people would mind the gap, that our hearts would be attentive, Lord, that we would be able 
to uh, be present in every situation that you put us. And we thank you for the work that you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want you to do me a favor. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. All right, everybody got their eyes closed? Behind me, there is a black curtain. And there are four flags hanging on that curtain. I want you to picture in your mind what those four flags are. Can you identify all four in your mind? You say, well, there's an American flag. Yeah, you got that one right. Uh, there is also a Commonwealth of Virginia flag. Can you picture the other flags that are up? I wonder, can you remember? There is also on the stage, on the step that is right in front of me, there are four boxes. Do you know what they contain? Tissues, yeah, that's right. Can you look, can you, in your mind's eye, can you look over to your right, my left, and there are some blue chairs, just like the ones you're sitting in. How many chairs are over on that side? Just in your mind. So one of the things, all right, open your eyes and look around and see if you were right. One of the things that we must be able to do in life is to be present. See, these things that you've been staring at them for how many minutes now, and perhaps you've been coming to the church for a long time and maybe even never really noticed those little details that are around you. See, we as human beings, we have something called attention. Attention is something that cannot be split. No matter how good you think you are at multitasking, you can only think about one thing at one time. And if you try to divert attention to other things, I want to tell you, you will not be able to do it successfully. What we find in our scripture is a young man who is indeed trying to do this very thing. He was trying to be in church, but he was absent in his mind, and in his heart. Now, this is a story about Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, if you ever, uh, you know, if you are someone who appreciates good preaching, you would probably appreciate the Apostle Paul. Because here's a man who was uh, learned. He was one of the, he called himself a Jew of all Jews. He was had trained under uh, some of the, the, um, the rabbis and the Pharisees. He was a smart dude. He knew his Bible. And he is one person that if, you know, if you ever got the chance to listen to the Apostle, one day in heaven, we're going to listen to the Apostle Paul preach some sermons. I'm telling you. And yet, they had gathered there. Not only was he a good preacher, but the Bible says that he was getting ready to leave the next day. So there's some personal connection. He's having to go on to another city. And so they want to show him their respect by paying attention to the words, his final words that he is speaking before he leaves the next day, right? So there's a personal aspect to this as well as a theological aspect. So here's the whole scene. The sermon, it says in verse 7, that Paul spoke to him and continued his message until midnight. Now I know that if I did that, some people would be angry. But the Apostle Paul, it says, late into the night, he's preaching a message, and it must have been powerful. But we see a young man in verse 9 that is very instructed in, this, in the window. 
sat a young man named Eutychus. And there he was, up in the third floor, up in the balcony, falling into a deep sleep. So I want you to just imagine this for a second. There's a whole church gathered together on the Sunday. It's late at night. Paul's preaching, no doubt with fire. He's preaching with enthusiasm. He's excited. He's spitting like any good Pentecostal preacher would. He's sweating. He's excited. He's sharing the love of God and the purpose of God with his people. They are giving up their sleep and their personal time to hear the things that he is saying. People are involved, right? This is an exciting thing to be a part of. And yet, if you look up and see a young man named Eutychus, he is present in his body. His body is there, but his mind is absent. You see where I'm going this morning. It's amazing to me to come into a church service like this of 40 or 50 or or more people and to notice that there are some people who are locked in and focused, who are making eye contact, who are uh, paying attention, who are looking at the scriptures and reading along. And there are also usually a few Eutychus saints. There are some people who are here physically sitting in chairs Got church clothes on. Many times, present in the body, absent in the mind. And this story is very instructive about how it is that this can affect us. Can I remind you this morning that it is possible to be physically present, but not actually there? That your body has come to church, but your mind is still in bed. Or your mind is on lunch plans after the service. Or your mind is on the beach tomorrow. And like Eutychus, what what begins to happen is you cannot do both successfully. You can go through a whole, I've done it myself, been through a whole church service and come out the other side and say, what was he talking about? Right? Or you sit next to someone or you, There's four flags hanging. You don't even know the four flags that you've been staring at the whole service. It's amazing to me that I can preach exactly the same sermon to 40 different people, and when I talk to people after the service, they'll say 40 different things about what, what I said. How amazing that God uses the same message in many different ways. Can I remind you this morning about your attention? I want to talk to you about attention. Attention. Attention, the Bible says, is something that is precious. Can I remind you, you only have 24 hours of attention each day. Attention is like time, and it's like money. It's something that you pay. Right? Pay attention. It is something that once you pay it, you can't get it back. Have you ever found yourself paying attention to things that are really not important? On YouTube. On Facebook. On things that uh, that steal your attention when you could have been, should have been paying attention to something else. Kind of like when you're wandering through Walmart with your shopping cart. and you, You're just wandering. And you find yourself in a section of stuff that you really don't need. 
like Cheetos, and you just bag of Cheeto, bag of Cheeto, Doritos. I don't need that. We need milk, eggs, and bread. But you're getting the bags of chips, tortillas, right? Pojos, snow puffs. We don't need this stuff. We need other things. We need milk. We need cereal for the children. We need lunch meat. Why are we in this section? And what ends up, you go to the, to the checkout counter and you uh, end up paying more than you really should, right? Because you've paid so much for ding-dongs, you don't have enough for the things that really matter. This is also true, beloved, with your mind. Are you with me today? When we give our mind and our attention to things that are so stupid, Video games, right? Games on the phone. How often, how much attention and time do we devote to these things that in five years, in ten years, in a hundred years, nobody's going to care how great your score was. Even in tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Oh, but look what I got. No! Nobody cares. Did that help you in any way? You have paid attention to something that has brought you zero value for your life. Meanwhile, your kids need help, need instruction, need training, need discipline. And what are you paying attention to? You cannot multitask. I know ladies say that they're, more, that they're better than, this, than men. And in general, yes, that's true. But contrary to popular belief, human beings cannot multitask. That is impossible. You might be able to juggle two tasks at the same time, but you're not going to do it very successfully. Just try to handle two thoughts in your brain at the same time. I dare you. You can't do it. You can't think about this and that. You can think about this and then that, but you have a linear mind. And what that means is your mind thinks in a straight line. You cannot have parallel tracks like a train of two thoughts happening simultaneously. That does not work. You go crazy. Your mind is very good, and, and, uh, and men especially, we are kind of programmed for this, to be single-minded and focused. That's why when you give your single mind and your focus to something that is stupid, The National Traffic Safety Board reports that texting while driving is the functional equivalent of driving with a blood alcohol level three times the legal limit. Three times the legal Just remember that next time you pick up your phone and you're trying to do two important things at the same time. Your brain cannot handle it. You cannot be effective at two things at once. How about... Uh, have you ever been to like a concert or a major event or a play or something like that? And it's amazing to me uh, that people are experiencing the concert through their tiny little screen. You know what I'm saying? Like in the middle of the, they've paid money to go to a concert to listen to some awesome music 
and they're experiencing it like this. Wow! Like, take yourself off of the phone and be in the moment, right? It's amazing to me that people can experience major events of their lives by looking through a tiny screen. This happens with parents. Parents who we ought to be giving attention and time to our children. Encouragement. We ought to be disciplining. We ought to be training. And what are we doing? Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. Fill in the blank of your social media of choice. But see, it's more than just the attention that is being given to stupid things. It's the attention that is being lost on the important things. I wonder how many marriages are suffering because husbands and wives are laying in bed both looking at their phones rather than looking at each other. Talking to strangers rather than building their relationship with one another. I wonder how many saints of the living God are missing out on prayer time and study time in the Word because they're reading the news. I know you've got to keep up with the news and make sure you're aware of what's happening in the world, but hey, there's a limit. There's a limit. Once you're informed, you need to turn it off. The story of Eutychus in this chapter shows us the danger of being physically present but mentally absent and spiritually absent. I want to take this opportunity this morning to remind you that the God that we serve, if there's anyone who had an excuse to be separated, it's God. You know why? Because He is holy. He is holy and He is righteous. That means He is perfectly pure. The Bible says that in God there is no darkness, not a shadow of turning. What that means is that He's very different than you. He is completely something opposite of what we are. You know what we are? We are corrupt. Our sin has caused us to be painfully different from who God is. The curse of sin, our decision to sin, it separates us from a holy God. If God was righteous, if He, uh, you know, if He did according to His character, then He would say, away from me. I don't want to be part of that filthy, disgusting world. Here's something mind-blowing about God. That He is present. And He is with us. Let me give you some scriptures. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near. Everybody say near. He is near to all who call upon Him. All who call upon Him in truth. I think about parents whose children are calling upon them. Mom, I need help. Dad, where are you? Not now, son. Is whatever you're doing so important to not pay attention to your children? Every day, you're losing a day of time that you're not going to get back. Is it really worth it? Whatever you're doing on there? God is present, and He is near to those who call upon Him. How about Jesus? 
as He's leaving the earth and leaving His disciples, He says to them, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The very name that He was given by the angel was Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God, the holy God who is so different and dangerous, dangerously different from us. But He says, I'm with you. Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23 says they shall call his name Emmanuel translated God with us Jesus said Matthew 18 20 where two or three are gathered together in my name I am there I'm with you God has not diverted his attention God thinks that his presence is so important that he says whenever you call on me I'll be right there God is big enough to be present at every point of the universe, at the same time. And he's also small enough that when you bow your head and say, Lord, are you here? His presence. I'm here. Have you experienced that? John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphans. I believe in our generation we have children who are digital orphans. Parents are there, physically. But mentally, physically, mentally and spiritually, absent. Husbands and wives who are there, they show up. They're not running out. But completely absent. What is the result of absent-minded discipleship? This is what Eutychus experienced in verse 9. He was overcome. Everybody say overcome. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down. I don't want to curse anybody here this morning. I don't want to tell you that this is inevitable in your life. But I do want to say that if you are paying attention to the wrong things, there is a fall coming in your future. I've seen it happen. I've seen young people that grow up. And by the time the parents are finally paying attention, they're doing things that are bringing heartbreak to a family. By the time a husband finally figures out that he needs to pay attention to his wife, she's already moved on. I've seen people that shake themselves like Samson and say, now I'm going to do something for God. They didn't even realize that the time has passed. They missed their opportunity. They've stepped in the gap and they've paid a price. I want to encourage you this morning to wake up and pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening around you. If you're in a church service, then we need to put our distractions away. Now, I have, uh, I have certain convictions about things that I do when I'm in church. I try, and I'm not perfect at this, but even when I'm listening to a sermon, and, and it's not, you know, connecting with me. Uh, we all have been there, right? 
But what I try to do is, if, if the sermon is not connecting with me somehow, sometimes it'll help me to take a few notes. Other times, there are sermons that every word, I'm hanging on it and receiving it. And in those types of sermons, I have to put my notes away. You know why? Because the notes can become a distraction. And it's just, it's being wise enough and aware enough of your own situation, of your own mind and your own heart to say, what is going to help me to pay closer attention? It might help you to turn the phone completely off when you're doing something important. It might help you. It might help you to have some downtime. You know, we want our children to have digital downtime. How about us adults? Maybe it would help you to turn the phone off at 6 p.m. But the world would continue going on without my knowledge. It's radical, I know. It's crazy. It's how the whole entire gen- it's how the entire world lived before smartphones since 10 years ago. My encouragement this morning is don't end up dead and falling out of the window like Eutychus. To practice being present. To practice when you're in a meeting, when you're in a class, when you're at the dinner table with your family, when you're in a church service, to be fully present. Because that's time that is passing. If you've been through life, if you've seen children grow, you know my daughter's 10 years old. I can't believe it. She's going to turn 11 pretty soon. And if we're not careful, we've paid so much attention to a screen that our children are growing and we're not even even aware of what's happening in their lives. We're letting YouTube raise our children. We're letting the YouTubers implant their values. No wonder our children are more interested in the world than they are in the things of God. How many people have been touched by God, but they have fallen out of the window? I want to close by looking at the welcome back. Thank God that there is hope in our scripture. In verse 10, after he had fallen out of the window, the Bible said that this fall was deadly. It was a deadly fall. Falls usually are pretty deadly. We serve a God who is bigger than the spirit of death. In verse 10, it says, Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him. See, there is a place for spiritual leadership to get involved in our lives. This is why when you hear a message like this and say, Pastor, you're all up in my personal business. Now, we shouldn't get angry or offended. I'm preaching to myself this morning, too. But we should understand that God uses people like the Apostle Paul to raise us up from the dead. To cause us to wake up. What this is, I believe, is a picture of encouragement. The Apostle Paul stops his message. He stops his ministry to go speak to one young man and revive him from the dead. Revive him. I wonder, after this moment, was Eutychus 
in church again. Was he in that same window again? I hope that he learned his lesson. I hope that after dying and being resurrected by the Apostle Paul, that he'd be on the front row. He would learn his lesson. And I believe that it's still possible for us today that God is able to use other brothers and sisters in the church to encourage us. And I'm not coming at you to, uh, you know, with, with a spirit of judgment. This is a, this is a heart of redemption. That God can raise us up and can change our habits and can cause us to back off of this thing so that we can pay attention to the things that are truly necessary. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. We have a rule that we've started, uh, that we've had in our house for a long time that when we're sitting at the dinner table, the phones are not present. Do you know why? Let me just let me just illustrate for you. Dennis, which one feels better? Hey Dennis. I'm really glad that you're here today. Or this. Hey Dennis. So glad you're here today, man. Which one felt better? <laughs> this is why this thing is such a thief. Steals your attention. Every buzz, every notification, every ding is a thief. And I'm, I understand how useful and how helpful they can be, but let's not become so addicted that it steals our attention from things that truly matter. See, when we do this, we can encourage one another. Husbands, keep your wife accountable. Wives, keep your husband accountable. Children, keep your parents accountable. Parents, keep your children accountable. Hey, pay attention to me. Sometimes it's good to encourage one another, like the Apostle Paul. Hey, wake up, Eutychus. Pray for him, minister to him, and raise him up from death. Hebrews thirteen, Hebrews 3, verse 13. Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I want to close with this last scripture, verse 12 of our scripture. It says that they brought the young man in alive. There is hope for young people. There is hope for youth, teenagers, the millennial generation that get a bad rap. They get a bad rap because people who are a little bit younger than me you know, like 35 and below, the millennial generation, are consumed by it. They've never known a generation, they've never known what life is like before the internet, right? Never known uh, how, to be, how to live life without uh, a device in front of your face. They get a bad rap for this. But I want to tell you, this generation is going to change the world if they will come in alive. If eyes will be opened if spiritual truth will be embraced, that the young people will once again take their place in the church. Eutychus, I believe, would have become a great power for God after this. Look at what it says in that verse. They brought the young man in alive, and they, the rest of the church, they were not a little comforted. This is encouraging for the whole church. This is encouraging for a whole family. 
for a marriage that is revived, for a family, for parent and child relationships that are revived. They were comforted. And I want to encourage you, church, in every situation that God puts you to pay attention. I thank God for the testimony we heard. My mom's just out there walking her dogs. She had enough presence to see that there's a family in need. Would you have seen that? Or would you have been like this, walking the dogs? Right? You're at the gas pump, pumping your gas. You're pumping the gas like this. And right across from you is a person who needs Jesus. You're at home. Children need a bath. And you're there like this. Need help with the homework. And you're need discipline, need encouragement, need you. And where are you? Digital orphans. Don't let your children be digital orphans. Let's be raised up in the spirit of life once again. Are you with me? Let's not let our time and attention be stolen by things that really don't matter. It's good for Eutychus, but it's also great for the church. Let's practice being present. We're going to bow our heads this morning, close our eyes as we bring the service to a close. And of every moment that we've been in this service today, this is the moment to pay attention. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. This is the moment where God wants to speak to us. This is the time where we're going to come together at an altar to say, God, I hear what you're saying to me. And I want you to help me to be obedient. The altar, this area up at the front of the church, this is a place where we solidify our decisions before God. We're going to open this altar for prayer in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to ask, perhaps you've come into this place this morning and the truth is you're not right with God. I mentioned in passing how holy God is. His holiness is so powerful. There is no deceit. There is no shadow. There, he is pure and righteous and holy. The problem with that that you are not. Our sin, our lies, our lust, our wickedness, our unbelief, our evil thinking, all of it, it separates us from a holy God. And if we don't deal with the separation, I want to tell you that that separation becomes permanent once we pass on from this life. One day we're going to stand before God and give an account. And if you've not dealt with the separation, I'm going to tell you that separation becomes permanent. But we are so glad and we are so grateful for the gospel. The gospel is good news. That even though God is holy and separate from us, He is willing that every man should come to repentance. He is not willing that any would perish, but that we should all Understand the power of His love, His grace and mercy. God loved this world so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. Yes, filthy sinners like we are. Jesus Christ did not die for the righteous, but for the
for those of us who can admit our sins before Him. And I wonder, what about you today? You've come here this morning, and you be honest for just a moment. Are you right with God? Are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Is it possible to like Eutychus, you're, you're in the service, but spiritually you're, you're falling. Spiritually, you're not connected. He's reaching out to you this morning by His Spirit right now. And I wonder if you'd be honest for just a moment. Say, Pastor, I need what you're talking about. I need this salvation that Jesus provided on the cross. I need to be born again. I need a new life. I need my sins forgiven. It can happen right now if you respond. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh